Welcome to the Memory Distillery, everyone. I'm Anthony Verneri. I'm John Deck, and each week we will malt, mash, ferment, and distill our way through the spirits of our past in the form of long-loved movies. That's right, and this week, Rufio, Rufio, Rufi! Oh. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Come on, John! That's right, we're watching Hook from 1991, directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, John, you said to me like three weeks ago, uh, we should do hook. And what was my response? It was something along the lines of hell yeah, bitches. Was that sound like you? It's close. It was very close. It sounds like something I would say. I'm pretty sure it's something like, uh, you're fucking a right. We should do hook or something, you know, something like that. So yeah, it was in that wheelhouse. It was very Um, I've always... It was extremely enthusiastic because I really want to do this movie. I've always loved this movie. Um, it's 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 one that I've been wanting to do probably since we started the podcast. So I was really glad that you suggested it. Yeah, I uh, uh, full disclosure to our listenership who may be wondering, I'm not exactly on the verge of death, but I'm teetering. Uh, and so if my throat has a luxurious rough sandpaper quality to it, or if I just keel over coughing and I'm gone for the rest of the podcast, you'll all know why. So that reluctant O at the end of Rufio was more of a result of my circumstances internally rather than my enthusiasm, because I also quite like this movie. And for a long time, it was kind of like, I'd say like a comfort movie where something it's kind of dumb, you know, kind of, you know, just a little cheesy, but it's just also kind of has a lot of heart and humor and warmth and uh, like a lot just throw it in just when I need something playing in the background to make me feel good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's hard to not like this movie. Like, <laughs> You get to see an adult Peter Pan go back to Neverland and learn how to be a kid again. Like it's I, there's nothing there's nothing there that you can scoff at. Especially was that this? I think I was thinking of the movie with the Robert Redford and Brad Pitt, and they're like fishing. Isn't that the one called Hook? Um, that's it, a river no. runs through it. Yeah, yeah. There's there's oh, hooks man. in it, but oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's not Hook. No, Hook is the uh, the Steven Spielberg project where he takes an adult Peter Pan, sends him back to Neverland and makes him fight his arch enemy. Oh, uh, that one, that one. Is that the one that's got the kid in it? There's multiple kids in it. Nice. Uh, so you're, you're right there, <laughs> man. You're right. You're right on track. Um, uh, and, I mean, you've got a, an amazing cast in this. You've got Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman and Julia Roberts and Bob Hoskins and Dante Basco. And everyone's just so great. They're all amazing in their characters in this movie. Like, I, God damn it. I just love this movie so much. Yeah, Dante, of course, everybody knows as the voice of Zuko in Avatar The Last Airbender. It's his most yes, famous role. Is. It's the, 
the best thing that's ever been made. Um, you probably thought I might bring up Jurassic Park, and this movie has a lot of ties to Jurassic Park too, so I'll be looking for hidden Easter eggs of upcoming dinosaurs, then they could be anywhere. I can't But wait. I thought... I thought, see, here's what I thought. We both love this movie. We don't have to, I mean, I have a hard time thinking we're going to watch this and not enjoy it and really get into it. But what I'm wondering is, as I sit here, barely able to form a sentence without my throat falling out, we have such a great cast of people. And I, of course, have proven time and time again that I'm a skillful impressionist. Mm -hmm. I want to see if you can throw off the top of your head any celebrity impression and I'll try to do a line from Hook in that impression in my in my broken down, you know, voice-tacular uh, situation I'm in here. And, and I think we're going to wow the audiences before we disappear to watch this movie. I'm, I'm, take, I'm saying take this out to left field, throw something crazy out there, and I'll oh, just do a line shit. from the movie. Uh, all right, I mean, give, give me... Uh... Give me Liam Neeson as Captain Hook. Oh, that's a good one. Good one. Good one. And I just have to try to remember a line that okay, so I got I got it. I got it. Ready? Yeah. Ready? <clears throat> Clear my throat. To a ten year old, I'm huge. Wow. Chills? That was fantastic. Amazing. Yeah, I figured everyone let let's do one more because I feel like I could even top that. Okay. Uh God, I, f- I feel like I want to stay away from the Brits, but Jason Statham is the first one that sort of pops into my head. Um, but I'm not going to go Smee, which which I feel like would be a an underhand uh, throw. I'm going to give me uh, give me Jason Statham as Rufio. <laughs> Having <coughs> I'm falling apart here. I, I, I can even give you a line if you want it. Um, no, I'll 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 do a little Rufio here. <clears throat> Jason Statham, Statham, Statham. Sorry, I'm just working through it there. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you gotta, you gotta find hello. your voice. Hello, hello. I'm Jason Statham. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. How about lying, crying, spying, prying, ultra pig? Ooh. That was a. Uh, I feel like that was a little statement with a little, um, and and this is probably just in my head because I just watched it. But uh, Carl Urban in the voice. Uh, you know what? That it's funny because I can hear that in it when you say it. And I'm gonna go ahead and let you know that was totally my intention. I thought I'd blend a few people, and you're welcome. It was brilliant. Um, before it this, was, it was it was masterfully done. I I feel that we've really kind of nailed the spirit of this and now we've really proven ourselves as professionals. We have. Um, send that uh, money I think folks. It's time for everybody to send in their money and uh, we will then come back to you later with some hook thoughts. Yeah. So we're going to pause here uh, and go watch this thing. Uh, I'm going to be watching it. I, th- I, th- I thought I had this on like DVD or Blu-ray and it turns out I don't. So I'm just going to watch it. I'm going to rent it on Google play. I don't think it's on any of the kind of regular streaming services. So uh, grab it from your personal libraries or rent it from your preferred uh, streaming rental service. And when we come back, we're going to talk us some hook. You ready, John? I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. 
Bangarang, everybody. Uh, we are back. Let's get down to it. John, uh, I assume that you're going to keep with tradition and let us know right out of the gate whether you hated this movie or not. You're absolutely correct if you reversed that. I'm not going to let you know. I'm going to keep oh. you on pins and needles until you can't take it no more. And then an explosion of flavor will assail you with my thoughts or something. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, let's uh, let's get down to it then. Can we start off uh, by just sort of stating for the record that Peter Panning uh, in the beginning of this movie is a fucking dildo? Nope. All right, we're, we're off to a great start here. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Of course he's horrible. Uh, but I think we're definitely supposed to feel that way. It just helps with the transformation. Sure. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's all a development thing, but like almost infuriatingly so. Yeah, they kind of pushed it to the point of characterization. But then again, everything in this movie is kind of over the top anyway, not necessarily in a bad way, so... That's fair. That's definitely fair. So uh, so let's not dwell on the bad part then. No, let's not. Blah, um, blah, blah. I'm a lawyer. Blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Phones, blah. phones, calls. I'm yelling at my kids. <laughs> I hate everything. Rah, rah, rah. Look at my cell phone. <laughs> that, I, I was... I remembered there being an old-timey cell phone in here, and for some reason I had pictured like the Zach Morris-style phone. And I'm glad it wasn't quite that, but it was still pretty, uh, pretty monstrous. You had to flip it. You had to pull up the antenna. There's so much physical mm-hmm. work. I don't know how people lived back then. I don't either. Uh, I want to talk about Maggie Smith for a moment because, uh, Maggie Smith plays Wendy. Dame Wendy Maggie. Dame Maggie Smith. That is correct. <laughs> Uh, who looks older in this movie somehow than she did in any of the Harry Potter films. Makeup. Uh, kudos to the makeup department. And like Gwyneth Paltrow looked really young, and so that's just crazy how what they were able to achieve with special effects. Uh, it was incredible, yeah. She only looked like a teenager. <laughs> um. So anyway, Maggie. Or did you? Was that the extent of what you that, were saying? That, yeah, I, th- I think that was about the extent of of where I was going with her. Uh, she and she plays the the very old woman very well, even at a, a spry what fifty eight or something in this movie. Like she she played that up pretty well. Yeah, I think that uh, she kind of was a nice uh, anchor for the the Wendy character. That that one person in the beginning who kind of was very aware of all worlds. Uh, from from every mm-hmm. angle, and nobody else was quite on that level. No, not until the very end. And we're gonna, I'm I'm gonna bring something up about that uh, as we get closer to the end of the episode. But uh, the uh, I just want to like uh, I I know you have this history of just coming right out and saying how you feel about a movie, and I'm gonna take up that uh, that torch. This time around, I I still love the shit out of this movie. Uh, it was so 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 much fun for me to watch this. Uh, there there's so many great moments in this movie, and not even just the the happy moments or the uh, the cutesy moments. Like the the moment 
uh, the, like the the entire scene uh, when you know Peter and Moira and and Wendy come back from the banquet, and uh, the kids have been taken. Like the moment that they're taken is terrifying. The lights, the camera work, and then the hook gouges in the walls, uh, and like Toodles's proclamation that Hook is back or Hook took the kids or what. I I I didn't write down what he said, but like he was just. Like it was a chilling thing that Toodles said, which you don't really expect from him in that moment because he's just sort of this bumbling old man at that point or up to that point. Yeah. I didn't want to jump on your toes there as you were no, that, <laughs> impassionately declaring. That's great. Um, now, I think that uh, that I had a, a, a strange experience watching it in that. I still enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. I still have a place in my heart that finds some joy in, in what I'm watching. And yet, at the same time, there were definitely moments that made me kind of feel like, why am I liking this so much? What, you know, like, there there are flaws, meaning, I don't mean like just from a technical standpoint, but just, just as a movie, just as a, it's a little, it's a little patchwork, you know, it's a little bit off at times in terms of, pacing and what's exactly going on but it's hard to tell if it, what's intentional and what's not i mean there were so many decisions made in the the artistry of this and how they display things like imagination and like you know how they play with the ideas of age and time and all that so it's like there's some really interesting things there but at the same time it felt just a little disjointed and a little like like maybe this isn't a good movie and I'm still kind of loving it, you know? So it was that weird, I don't, you know, what am I experiencing? It's this, this weird intersection of thoughts and emotion. It's so strange. No, I get that. Um, the one, one scene in particular, I think that I could point to, to that effect is, uh, when Peter gets knocked off the, uh, the plank and ends up in the water and you have Tinkerbell. She's, like screaming down into the water that you know he's the mermaids or whatever um and then he's kissing the mermaids and then smash cut to you're in a seashell you're going up and everybody's asleep including tink like how did how did we get that. From he here was to there? dead right but oh so we just go to sleep when peter pan dies like yeah because as soon as he pops up she's like oh i'm so glad you're alive right. but still like, like, oh, okay so it's done like give me a he's, break he's drowned. <laughs> Um, that scene actually, or just, just before that happens in that scene, um, I don't know if you know this, but Glenn Close was, uh, was in that scene. In the, the pirate with the scorpion in the box? Yes, correct. She played the, uh, <laughs> that pirate, uh, which. There were tons of cameos that I, I didn't, never really noticed before. Um, cause I was just watching, I'm like, is that David Crosby? Like, what? And so one of the pirates, one of the pirates just sitting straight up in front when uh, they're all on the boat together, David Crosby. And I looked it up and sure as heck, it was him. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And then the ins- the inspector, of course, when the kids go missing, oh, it's yeah, Phil, it's Collins. Phil Collins. And like, I mean, that wasn't a surprise to me, but still, it just made me kind of giggle. And I just thought there's just probably a bunch of people who are just pales with Steven Spielberg who are just like. Oh, that's fun. You're doing like a little pirate movie for kids. Oh, can I be one of the pirates? That'll be great. <laughs> that's my Glenn Close impersonation. Yeah, that, that was spot on. Nailed it. We're watching Hook. 
big cast, lots of old people, lots of young people. Do you have a favorite person or character uh, in, in the film, someone that you enjoyed the, a lot? Man, that's a tough one. I, I, I really like Rufio. Um, not at first, obviously, because he's, a, you know, he, he's the, sort of a bully and, uh, and not even just to Peter, but like to a bunch of the kids. And he, he sort of rules with an iron fist where I think maybe Peter in his childhood was a, a bit more of a fun leader or whatever and, and kind of had more of a, uh, a, a better relationship with the kids, uh, the lost boys. Uh, but he, he ultimately turns into this, this really fun character that at the end, I'm like, man, I, I kind of wish I kind of needed a little more Rufio throughout this movie. So did you have a problem with the slaughtering of kids or anything or the, or Peter and Rufio just stabbing all the pirates and slicing their guts. Yeah, open. I mean, like, uh, obviously, I'm I'm not for, uh, I'm I'm not for child soldiering. Um, I I was uh I was active in the Coney 2012 movement, and I'm I'm against this as well. But it's also a movie and i'm i'm sort of willing to give it a pass in that right because it's it's a movie and it follows you know the the fairy tale of the bedtime story and that's just yeah. what the kids do they fight the pirates uh i was just giving you a hard time i think that's your i mean everything fits in with the whole like that's that's what they did they they killed pirates and pirates you know killed lost boys and they were like this eternal struggle back and yeah, forth and good and evil <clears throat> Now, for myself, yeah, I, was I have to ask. say that I, I mean, I, I remember when I was younger, I always thought Rufio was really cool and I liked him. Um, this time around, though, it was Smee. Smee's great. I just, Bob, Bob Hoskins, Bob Hoskins this is so cracking me fucking up. good. I mean, one of the few times I actually literally laughed out loud was just his delivery when he goes, I think I've had an apostrophe. <laughs> and that, and it's the silliest thing, but it just, when he said that, it just, Mm, think you mean epiphany and he's like oh <laughs> but yeah like and then he's gathering up all the rubies and gems and gold coins later and you just the physical comedy i mean of course he's also amazing with physical comedy and things like roger rabbit and other you know movies but like where he's just stumbling around with a you know pants full of gems and running and, and it was just like this was just very entertaining and funny. oh absolutely i mean even his like little it was almost like a stand-up routine or like an audience. Like if, if you've ever been part of a studio audience for a TV show, he's sort of like the, the warm-up guy. Like he, yeah. even that part before Hook comes out for the first time, is it's, it's, it's fun to watch. A man so deep, he's almost unfathomable. <laughs> yeah, he was a good hype man. Um, hype man, that, that's, a, that's a good way of, of putting it. One thing about this movie that I don't know if you felt this way or not. Um, I almost felt like this should be a musical. Like it plays like a musical. And there's even songs and and the parts of the score that feel like they should be, uh, they should have song and dance numbers to them. 
Um, did did you get that impression really, at all, or I wasn't thinking that during. I mean, it does have this tie in to like this Disney characters, you know, and that like having musicals, the animated things, and Peter Pan, and having other songs and things like that. So, so in a way, it feels natural that this would or could have songs. But now that you mention it. I did have some thoughts about the score and it kind of aligns with what you were saying just because there were times when the score was just a little overpowering and a little like, what is going on? What is the buildup with this piano? Why is it going so crazy? And that's almost what would happen if it were building right up to someone being like, I'm Pan or, you know, like, and he would just start singing and dancing and stuff. And, but yeah, there were two or three times that I'd noticed almost like it was overpowering where it was either happy or powerful and not just orchestration like you do in movies where there's a buildup and it, it it's fitting, but it almost felt like narrative little jaunts in the right. music that should have had something more to them. So yeah, I can, I can actually see that. Yeah. I, I did like, uh, and I don't know if maybe I had an idea in my head that it was a musical before, but I think that Maggie's song out on the dock sort of, uh, I don't know if it sort of amplified that feeling for me or what, but yeah. I... So wait, so you're saying someone in the movie singing an impromptu song made you feel that like this was almost a musical? Yeah, that is 100% Strange. what I'm saying. I don't know how you got uh, there, but I guess, you know, crow's got a crow. Yeah, flyer's got to fly. So the, one of the things that I, I did appreciate that I was trying to kind of dig into more now not that i have kids or anything like that um but the 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 themes of the fatherhood and of of what it means to you know like i think this is probably a theme that can go back way in time and into the future it's timeless that's the word um where you're you're playing with this idea of you know, a parent and they've, they've got a career, they've got something else that's occupying them that splits their time with their family. And, and of course, you know, Peter in this is that over, like we said in the beginning, that over the top caricature of just horribleness in this regard. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the way they play throughout with, with the whole idea of parents and kids and the lost boys not having kids and making comments about, you know, missing their mom or wishing they could have a dad like Peter and all this. Like, there's so many different points where they're, I mean, of course, there's stuff with Jack and Maggie and very much in your face being, you know, he's not doesn't have time to be around them. They get kidnapped. He has to rescue them. But but all throughout, even Maggie's thing, talking to Hook and saying, you know, you need a mommy really bad. <laughs> and like all of these, you know, mentions like throughout really build to this idea of, um, what family is, you know, how, how, you know, the idea of trying to be young forever or trying to avoid what it's like to not have parents. Um, it was just a, a theme that was pushed so hard, not in a bad way, but it was just so prevalent and, and so throughout, I didn't know if that like had any particular connection with you. Um, I felt it, but I, I wasn't, uh, drawn into it from a parental perspective, uh, at least. Well, as you may or may not know, I do have uh, at least one child. Um, yeah, just the one. Uh, no, the, I'm like, were you counting them around you? I was, yes. Um, yeah, the, I I keep them like laid out on the floor. Uh, no, I I do have I have I have a son, um, and he's a teenager now. So, um, this uh, the that sort of theme kind of hit 
maybe a little harder for me than it would have even just 10 years ago um, because I, I grew up in a, uh, a, a split family. Like my, my parents uh, split up when I was six, six or seven. Uh, and so like I, I didn't have my dad around all the time. And one of the things that I sort of made a promise to myself about was I was always going to be there regardless of my marital status to my wife and, uh, and to his mother. And, you know, I, I've always tried to follow through with that. And that sort of constant theme in this movie um, was, was a reminder that there are more important things than work. You know, you only have your kids around for so long before they don't want to hang out with you or before they move out and, you know, go on to have adult lives of their own. And so making the most of the time that you have with them is, is ridiculously important. And uh, I'm sorry to get on a soapbox like that, but like I, I spend as much time with my son as I possibly can because uh, I, I don't know when I'm going to stop being cool and I don't know, or if I ever was cool and he just figures out that I'm not cool. Uh, oh, he's definitely going to be figuring out that you're not. Cool. That's that. That's probably the the much more accurate way of putting that. Um, but and like, I don't know what he's going to do when he turns eighteen. If he's going to, you know, go to a local school or go to a trade school or just strike out on his own or or go and join the military or whatever. And you know, I only have <laughs> the, the the clock's ticking. And so I have to get in as much time as I can. And so my my mantra lately has been, you know, fuck work, pretty much. Like, I, 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 I'm less concerned about putting in hours at work and more concerned about putting in hours at home. And See, I like that, I like that mantra even without a kid. Um, so I, I feel that very deeply. The fuck work part? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do hear what you're saying. I, I like the sentiment of where you're going, but I have to be totally honest. At some point while you were talking, I had this little song going on in the back of my head and it wasn't the cats in the cradle. It was it wasn't, it wasn't like that, but I kept thinking, and I know this is funny because it's not a real connection to what you were saying, but it does lead us right back into the heart of this, which is we have to talk a little bit about uh, Michael Bluth and his stint in the trial of Captain Hook, uh, in which he was a lawyer. I don't know if you yes, remember that. I do remember that very well. <laughs> well, not very well, but I, I do remember it. And so the whole that you're a cook, Captain Hook, <laughs> and like <laughs> and like that just I just was that somehow just got into my head, and so I felt like I had to explain that because I was gonna about to just start giggling as you're like, I love my son and I want to spend time with him and it's so important that I get all that time I can and I'm like just start laughing and I'm, so it was just because I was picturing a flashback to like you know just being a kid and singing that song. Not that I ever did it. But... <sighs> sure. Um. Yeah. Anyway, I'll, I'll I'll step down off the soapbox now and move on to something uh, that kind of. Uh, I didn't notice until probably 
a little more than halfway through this movie, did Robin Williams like shave or have his body waxed for this movie? Because I'm... he's no he was notoriously a hairy, hairy dude. And like there was the first time I noticed it, he had his sleeves halfway rolled up and he didn't have any ha- hair on his hands or arms. And then I was thinking back to the the tra- the, the training montage and like the kids are like painting stuff on him to make him think happy thoughts. And he doesn't have any like chest or, or, or like body hair. And I'm like, wait a minute, where the hell did he shave? Well, I think it was, it was I, just it was unsettling I, for me to see Robin Williams without body hair for some reason. I mean, I think and now we I'm can, the weirdo about Robin Williams's body. No, nah, I think we can both agree. That's why we watched this movie was to be on the lookout for his body hair. Um, mm-hmm. And my thought is, we don't know the order in which they shot these clips. You know, like they, they edited it all in the chronological order to tell the story. But at, at different points, they may have jumped between shooting scenes where he was, you know, still in the lawyer dad mode, and then he was Peter Pan. And obviously, they did a lot of hair and makeup to make him look younger and more spry more peter pan like so i just wonder if at some point i could just imagine some very frustrated uh makeup technicians and you know like just being like look we're, we're just gotta strip off all we're just gotta wax this body and because we can't keep going back and forth you know like with continuity and all that we'll, we'll just have you be a hairless version of yourself um and that that's my theory i don't know anyone personally who are part of that team um but it's probably a very large team and took them a while to get it done. Probably. I mean, he, he must have gone through the likely. Steve Carell 40-year-old virgin treatment uh, to to get to that point. <laughs> Speaking of the training montage, I thought it was great. Their their whole, like, uh, the the kind of chanting and stuff like that was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, gotta lose a million pounds. Uh, I thought that that was, it was cute. And it was... Uh, it was it was very very enjoyable to see uh peter panning get uh just run down by these kids yeah it it i mean i know the fact that we're going to neverland and there's this weird relationship with time and age and stuff like that and peter is reverting back into being able to be a child and use his imagination more actively but also torn between that and the world of being mindful of the fact that he's an adult with kids and he loves his kids and like there's all this stuff going on and and then you have the 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 pirates who are the you know the grown-up inhabitant inhabitants of neverland and they're also kind of playful and it almost feels like they are really close to like wanting to be like the, the the neverland you know the the lost boys but they're like just a bit old for that so instead you know, they like to, you know, pillage and plunder and fight and stab and shoot each other. And that's how they have fun. But it's like done in a fun slapstick kind of way, like when someone's trying to steal second base and they just shoot him. You know, it's like, that's <laughs> so funny. We killed someone. Um, it's just strange to yeah. me that it parallels each other, but they're like, it's a clear line. No, oh, those are the grownups and they're pirates. Well, so there's... And I don't know all the lore and and the actual like fairy tale behind uh, Peter Pan and the Lost Boys in Neverland, but um, I, I read somewhere that like the maybe the pirates were Lost Boys who wanted to grow up, and so they did and became pirates, and you know 
I, I I don't know all of the particulars behind it, but I'd buy that and for the, a the, dollar. The, 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 ah, see what you did there, throwing back to the RoboCop episode. Thanks again, Fernando, for joining in on that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean that's an idea anyway about you know sort of how that relationship formed and even why the the pirates are sort of playful in the way that they are maybe maybe hook and pan i don't know ran neverland together at one point yeah i think that if you're gonna i mean now if we were to try to count i didn't actually look this up it would have been interesting to know but i don't think we need to spend 45 minutes on the internet figuring this out how many adaptations of peter pan (laughs) and different oh there's so many (laughs) i'm gonna go ahead and say 15 just round it out. That, between, that, that's a good. That's a good safe number. I between think. a few, I mean, and then there's like TV show iterations of him and all these things. But there's so many different takes, and some of them are are pretty good, and some are not so good. And and this is its own spin on the tale and all that good stuff. So it's hard to tell exactly which source material it's going to be going off of. Um, but I do like the the way they integrate, like because even with um, you know Peter Banning being this you know corporate mergers and acquisitions lawyer who is essentially as Wendy <laughs> says you've become a pirate like that right. idea he's grown up and that's what happened so it's like that I think that does kind of fit into that idea of uh the lost boys who do run away or decide they want to grow up or have had enough of whatever's going on that they grow up a bit but they're also they're pirates and then they never completely you know, lose that that part of them somewhere in them that is into all the the fighting and the fun and all that stuff. Right. I mean, none of us ever really slough off all of our childhoods. Like, there, there's stuff that we've done our entire lives. So, uh, speaking of iterations of this, this particular iteration is unique, at least to me, because it's not a Disney joint. Um. Yeah, it's and I, strange I, about the. I don't know if you know this story. I don't know how they got the rights or how exactly they negotiated that. I don't. In fact, the only reason that I know that it's not a Disney joint is because when, right before, like a few hours before I watched this, uh, there were articles on the internet of like what Disney Plus is going to have, and there's laundry lists of like movies and TV shows, and Hook wasn't on there. And I'm like, wait a minute, why isn't Hook on here? It's it's Peter Pan. Doesn't Peter Pan like? Isn't Peter Pan owned by Disney? And sure enough, this is uh, this is not a Disney film. And now that you bring that up, I think it's an excellent time to mention our sponsor this week is Disney Plus. <laughs> Disney Plus, when you just know you want to watch another streaming service for some of the same content you've seen elsewhere, but now it's just through Disney. Yeah. Um, we're, I'm sure we'll get paid for that later. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wizards of Waverly Place, uh, the movie part 17, only on Disney Plus. Uh, sorry, continue. Well, the, the thought that I was thinking, because I do that with thoughts sometimes, uh, is with so many different versions of Peter Pan, I don't know if any of them were actually called Peter Pan 2, but I know there's not been a hook to, and that just seems like a travesty to me. It does. So within the last 48 seconds or so, I was thinking about what would we want to see in Hook 2? And I've got a few thoughts to start with, and you could jump in at any time. First of all, Tinkerbell, she's even bigger. She's going to be like 30 feet tall. Oh, wow. And now she's a she's a pirate. 
And all of the Lost Boys and Pirates are now working together to take down Tinkerbell. Played by Margot Robbie. Played by Margot Robbie. And there will, of course, be a large shark involved instead of an alligator. And his name is, you know, Bruce from Jaws with a Z. Perfect. Um, I'm with it's you a so universe. <laughs> it's the Jaws hook universe <laughs> that everyone's been asking for. And I think that we could really play up this, the, the whole nautical themes and just bringing back everybody's favorites back from the dead as yeah. zombie versions of themselves. Because zombies are hot sometimes. Sure. I mean, I, I think that, that we've got a lot to pan out here. I don't know if pan out. <laughs> 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 Woo! That's just... Uh, so. oh, yeah, we get zombie Bob Hoskins out there. Uh, oh. Oh, yeah. Too soon. It is too soon. No, we'll get uh, we'll get Seth Rogen to place me. Because um, that, that's who would place me, obviously. Uh, bring back Dustin Hoffman, because, uh, you know, he's, he's still around. Uh, yeah, I'm liking this idea, for sure. And, uh, oh... And they take the ship uh, to our world and start recruiting pirates from Jack Sparrow. Yep. Because he's still around and that's a thing. Well, I mean, what are we on? Like the, the like 13th Pirates of the Caribbean movie? So that's that's hey, that's for sure. Don't thing. make fun. I mean, um, no, I'm not. That, that many movies, they weren't wonderful. Um, no, I liked the first one, and then it kind of fell apart in my brain as a big mesh of stuff. So I honestly, completely honest, no joke, I have no clue how many there are. I, I'm going to guess five. There's at least five. Six. There's at least yeah. five. So there's room. They want to grow, and they're probably slowing down a bit, so... That's going to be all a shared universe thing. I like this. Yep. Pirates of the Caribbean, Pirates of Penzance will make it a musical yet. Don't worry. Okay. Yeah. Whew. Disney, if you're listening, we uh, we we own the rights to that script. So uh, contact us, the memory distillery at gmail.com, and uh, we'll put you in touch with our lawyers. Thank you. So does Disney just, does every person who works for Disney just go by Disney? Yep. And that's very interesting jim disney bob disney uh oh they do like they do first names yeah and yeah, stuff yeah. Too. well i mean you have to yeah you, uh, you have to distinguish claire disney claire disney too because you know there's going to be some overlap there it's a pretty big company <laughs> <laughs> i cough when you make me laugh so claire disney too claire disney too <laughs> so not <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah I, I like it because no that makes sense um <laughs> Paul Lion King one and a half Disney. Um, oh, that's yeah, good. I see a lot of that's good. I see a lot of man. I really want to work for Disney now. Um, if only they were big enough that they could afford to hire me I somewhere. Though, uh, if they keep growing, that's an upstart company. It I mean, is. They, I mean, but you know, the, those mom and pop right. shops. You really gotta. You, you have to get your foot in the door somehow. Well, and you know, you know, like it's if about they who you just know. Been a part. They would have been a part of this Hook movie. They would have been able to build off of the nostalgia and the wonder of Hook. Oh, yeah. But no, like, they don't even have barely a library of movies that anyone remembers, so they're going to struggle. Well, you got to get that um, Hook money. Um, And so... Get out there and uh, start again, hooking. Disney Plus, sponsor Hook 2, The Reawakening, 
starring Julia Roberts and Julia Louis-Dreyfus playing mm. the same part. Um, I think we've got it all lined up. We've got a plan for success. Now, speaking of success, <laughs> tying things back to the movie that we actually watched, I don't know what else I have to say about this other than, like, we've watched several movies now going back to our, well, not necessarily childhood, but younger years, whatever it might be. We're digging into our nostalgia and having these feelings. And out of all of them, this is really one that I feel like has had this warm, nostalgic place in my heart where I don't 100% know why. Um, I don't, I didn't like love all the Peter Pan mythology and animated movie and all that stuff like that. I, it didn't have the, a tremendousness to it, like something that would overwhelm like Jurassic Park or something where it's like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Like, but there's something, I think it's just the heart and the humor and the the way you could just kind of let go and just enjoy the ridiculousness of what's happening. But like in a wholesome kind of like rock you to sleep kind of way. I don't know what it is, but I really uh, thought this was an interesting experience where it wasn't just tearing things apart as a film critic and wondering what it's like and does it stand up as a good movie. But it was just a lot more of understanding a little bit more of the things that, you know, 20 plus years ago is it 91 or something so yeah, almost 30 years ago so like almost 30 years ago and 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 like i liked it and it stuck with me and i had all these great uh connections internally that i don't understand and you know what i, I can totally accept that i'm still totally fine and proud to say that i enjoyed this movie and had a lot of fun and it it kind of still hit that special button inside of me that made me feel all warm and gooey um, but at the same time, if someone were to say, ah, I can never get into Hook, it wasn't a very good movie, I, I'm not going to argue. You know, everyone's going to react in a certain way, and I can see why someone might not connect with this. Like, if they don't have a heart. Sure. Yeah, those heartless bastards. No, I, I think... I was just saying that for the people who don't like it. I want them to feel very shamed. I know. That's why I, I was echoing that. Um, no, I, I think that there's there's a lot going on here that kind of makes it that that sort of timeless connection for uh, for uh, i don't know if it's necessarily people who were around uh mm-hmm. or, or who were younger when it came out and and it's it got to sort of imprint in that way but you know you had you had a lot of different elements here that i i found myself involuntarily smiling at like um the uh the the moment on the the plane when Jack is fucking with Peter and you know kept keeps throwing the baseball and whatever, oh, yeah. um, or you know Smee's whole shtick or pockets, uh, you know, touching Peter's face and like squeezing it and stretching it out and going, oh there you are, Peter, um, yeah. or or even just like the effect, like one of the things in this movie that I noticed if if you exclude the the sort of far off shots from neverland and it you you can sort of see that it's you know a painting in a studio um the like the when tink first shows up and is kind of knocking peter all over the place and then she's walking on peter's like stomach and chest and leaving the footprints on his shirt like that whole thing for me, that was like the effects for that were actually pretty good <laughs> for for nineteen ninety one, but it's just, like it's it's that and it's the 
the acting and the care that's taken and the the score and how they utilized it and it, the the even the sword fight between uh you know first rufio and hook and then peter and hook um mm-hmm. like all of it just sort of left me smiling or or wide-eyed or or like you said that that warm uh gooey feeling uh of just you know joy and nostalgia and warmth and um i i think that all of that kind of brings that about see it would shock me to hear some behind the scenes story that everybody hated this production and there was a lot of infighting and everybody was angry and no one had fun because it feels like you just have this group of people who are just being a bunch of big kids and having a good time, you know? So it's like the, for all the practical effects, all the set design, everything, you know, all the details, like you were mentioning, like it really felt like these are a bunch of people, whether the movie itself is silly or ridiculous, they're just embracing it. And, you know, the people who are doing stunt work are actually learning the different, you know, sword fighting choreography. And it makes sense. Like I was watching that and, you know, a lot of times, you know, with the movies that are not specifically action oriented, you have a sword fight and it's going to be a lot of like old Star Wars lightsabers back and forth, you know, without a lot of, you know, movement and, and like even, you know, hook changing up which swords he's using for different types of dueling and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, like it's like little details like that it's like okay it's grounded just a bit and then of course you have you know peter pan flying around and how do you figure that into you know how a fight like this might go and so it was a lot of fun and like the the lost boys like where they lived all the different tracks and and ramps and ropes and swings and things it was all very practical and real and it felt lived in and like they probably had a lot of fun there well you would think that, but like I've heard rumors that Robin Williams and uh, Dustin Hoffman like didn't even like the playing the characters the way that they did in this movie, and even Steven Spielberg, uh, I I don't think necessarily loved this movie, and yet I feel like there's so much, and and it it could just be a credit to the actors themselves and and Steven Spielberg himself, but. I feel like there's so much care taken and so much love devoted to uh, to this movie, even if it only did like a 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, it Blech. It's, I don't know, I just, I never got the impression watching this movie that anybody was, was phoning it in or, or half-assing it. Like they, they were putting I just had a thought. into it. Oh, please. I figured it all out. I understand it all. It's all come together. Here, here's the situation here is the situation i'm laid all out and then i'm done for the day because I've, I've i've got it hook is a movie that is bad it's just not a good movie there's a lot of things wrong with it the acting the, the writing everything's bad but and this is very important if you believe the movie's good it is good so it's just like with the fairies and if you believe in fairies then that breathes life into them and then, you know, it helps them to, to grow and expand. And and that same with the movie. If we love the movie and believe that it's good, it will lead us towards the hook to promised land. Holy shit. Yep. Well, so this is the first time I can say that this is a 
Schrodinger's movie of <laughs> it's, it's just as it's just as bad or as good as it's, you experience it. Whatever you feel is bad and good until you judge it yourself. Yeah, and then it is what it is. Whatever you think it is, it is. Well, um, <sighs> I think it's question time. Then, what do you say? Yeah, uh, I don't think there's a better time. <laughs> Excellent. So I have two here. Um, oh, cool. My first, and we we've already sort of gotten into it a little bit but i want to be um i i I want to bring it back around who was the best portrayal of their character in this movie Ah, toodles toodles was pretty on point i mean you gotta he was you know he's just like i've lost my marbles and he's crawling around all like crazy and that's funny for a certain reason at the end his all woohoo marbles yeah and then he takes off it's like come on that's consistent. He's exactly. I, I think he's great. Whoever played him, he was. Oh, I think his name was. His name was something Disney. I think. Oh, that uh, Toodles Disney. Yeah. Um, Roger Toodles Disney. <laughs> uh, actually, before I get on to, uh, I'll, I'll answer my question, my own question here, real quick. Uh, Smee is who I I think was the best portrayal. I loved Bob Hoskins as Smee. I think he was great. Um, yeah, I obviously agree from my earlier statement, but I didn't want to like double up, so sure, I go that's different. Fair. Name. Um, but before I get to my next question, I wanted to um, I, I mentioned before about Toodles and the end of the movie. Toodles gets his marbles and starts flying away, and everyone's just cool with this. And granted, you have Peter and Wendy and Jack and Maggie who all understand now or or have understood for some time that this is a thing but then you have moira uh peter's wife who has never seen this a name a name that robin williams seemed to have a hard time pronouncing he did have a hard time with that right (laughs) or he just like calling her mora (laughs) (laughs) maybe that was his pet name for her i don't know but yeah yeah she she definitely she's just like smiling and she's like oh "Oh, look (laughs) toodles is flying everything's fine this is totally normal. Like, no, what? You know, but she's been through a lot lately, and she's got her kids back. She's just overwhelmed. It's like she probably probably just shortly before that had seven or eight glasses of wine and was just kind of yeah. like laying there, and now she's all Maybe got up and giddy and happy. So, yeah, like many of the, all of those things. And so, you know, tomorrow... Which, again, is where, you know, we lead, you know, Hook 2's got to start, you know, with that flashback to what happened at the end of this movie leading on. Because um, you got to justify Tinkerbell slaughtering all of those poor children. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think that that's uh, Moira, as some of us like to call her, uh, starts to have some real, real problems dealing with what happened to Toodles. It's yeah. very hard for her to sort through that. Everyone's going to therapy. Um Lots of people jumping off balconies in England. <laughs> uh, cool. My last question before we start to wrap this baby up. Uh, and you talked about your, your Hook 2 sequel, but who plays Peter Pan? And it doesn't have to be in the sequel, but who, if you made this movie today, who plays Peter Pan, adult Peter Pan, going back to Neverland to uh you know save his kids so this is very important am i recasting hook or am i looking to the future of hook 2 i think it's two different questions 
as much as I want to know for Hook to, I, I, we're recasting Hook. Then in that case, because everything's a, a, everything today is a reboot, so we got a reboot Hook. Who are we rebooting it with? Who's Peter? I can't resist giving this answer for reasons you'll soon be aware of. I don't necessarily think it's the best choice, but it might be actually a pretty good choice. Jason Bateman. Oh. Oh, I like that a lot. <laughs> I like that so much. Because <laughs> I can I can absolutely picture it. I can absolutely see Jason Bateman doing that. 100%. Yeah. Just hamming it up. Digging deep. Do you have an answer, or have I just left you breathless? You've, well, you've left me breathless. I do have an answer, uh, which I will give to you in a hot, hot second here. Um, You're going to say Dustin Hoffman, No, you? I'm not going to say Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman obviously <laughs> comes back as Hook. Uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like... Oh God! You're gonna give me so much shit for this answer, but Gerard Butler. I will not give you any shit over this. I'm going to just pretend you never said it, <laughs> and that way I don't have to think any less of you, and we can just go on live with our lives pretending everything's cool. <laughs> Gerard Butler? No, I can't. Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. All right, how's this? You, you wait. No, 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 no. Gerard Butler. I have to say his name again. Uh, if if you listening don't know who Gerard Butler is, maybe that's why anyone hearing this doesn't understand the incredulity in my voice. But he's not gonna play a fun guy. I mean, he could probably play the role of a distant father who disappoints his kids and is boring. I can believe that, and I can believe that he could swing a sword around. Well, and maybe that's where I'm at. It, with, in with, your reboot, it's going to be a dark, gritty it, reboot because that's how we do it. Is Christopher Nolan going to direct the <laughs> Hook reboot? Ugh. All right, in your twisted world of this Nolan flapjack of a movie, then you can have your job. Well, he button. does everything else. He doesn't do goofball comedy well. No, I'm t- I'm talking about Christopher Nolan. He does have the other <laughs> Well, he also doesn't do goofball comedy. That's well. a, that, that's a very fair point to make. Unless you're talking about Interstellar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so funny. Yeah, such a goof- goofball comedy. Um, all right, I think that's gonna do it for us, uh, Distillers. Thank you guys so much for listening. We had a lot of fun this week doing this movie. Uh, make sure you stick around every week. Uh, we have new episodes every Monday, so make sure you download, uh, and listen as we distill another favorite from our past. Yeah. You know, um, we've mentioned it before and you'll probably see some stuff popping up in social media again. Uh, we're approaching the month of October. Uh, we're going to have our Halloween horror movies coming up soon. And not too long after that, we're going to be digging into the Christmas holiday season of movies as well. So keep an eye out for different polls and different questionnaires. And we really want to get your guys' feedback as to what movies we dive into. And speaking of diving, the music in our podcast comes from the song Destroying the Evidence by Semaphore. Um, we repeatedly segue. beg you to check them out. 
And one day when Disney Plus jumps on board, um, and, and they will, folks, they will. It's a matter of time. Um, there's going to be a great connection there. I think they'll probably end up doing the soundtrack for one of their movies. I, we'll, we'll have to see. It could be anything like that. In the meantime, um, whether you have input about the shows we've already done, you have some thoughts about upcoming holiday season movies, or just miscellaneously want to drop us a note or request or question, uh, please write us at thememorydistillery at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. I'm John Deck. And I'm Anthony Veneri, and this has been The Memory Distillery. Stay classy, everyone. It does make no sense. <laughs> <laughs>